Hello everyone, it's a Thursday, almost there, one more day for the weekend, I hope you're ready, because we're going to do some cool design stuff in a minute, you'll see what I mean, known this guy for a while, he's done better than me, but it's part three, that helps, okay, cool, nearly there, 20 seconds, my goodness, it's hot, Woo! I have to turn the fan off for this live stream, don't worry, I'll make it. Eight seconds. Hello everyone, welcome to this live stream on a Thursday. And thank you for joining us because this is gonna be a really cool one. Now I've known Alex for a few years. I met him years ago with his beautiful portfolio when he was a part two architectural assistant. And since then, Alex has gone on to awesome and great things. Now also as an accomplished architect designer, he can teach us some stuff. But if you haven't met Alex, I'm going to introduce him to the stage. Alex, how are you? Are you okay? Good. Yeah, very well. Thank you very well. Thanks for having me on, Stephen. Yeah. Nice to speak again. It's been a little while, but yeah. Known each other yeah, we keep bumping time, into right? each other every yeah. few years. It's all good. This time live in front yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah. But that's okay. Now, Alex, if someone hasn't met you before, tell us briefly about yourself then, who you are, and maybe a little quick background and then we'll jump into all the cool stuff you do. Sure. I'm Alex, an architect. I've been living and working in London for oof, since part two, 14 years or so, something like that. Yeah. And that's probably when we first met, actually. But yeah, London-based. I've worked in other countries as well. So before settling in London, I was in New York and over in Beirut in Lebanon. Nice bit of sort of different experience from some other countries, which is nice. And now I'm here. I run a small design practice, Nick Drew. We work on lots of residential buildings, some commercial stuff, some interior stuff, some shops and that type of thing. And yeah, working at it and trying to build some nice stuff. You, you definitely do build nice stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring up your work in a second. Okay. Now I obsess about your surname, Nick Drew. I just think it's really cool. However, I know that's the name of the practice. You do some I didn't awesome get to stuff. choose it. Yeah, well, it's, it's a nice one. It? It's yeah. a nice one, isn't it? There we go. I'm going to bring up your website now and people can click on it as well. But tell me a little bit, Alex, because now this project, some people might have seen on the zine and stuff, but tell me about maybe when you started setting up your practice. Was this the first project that you did or was there a few yeah. others as well? Yeah, so this one was actually a project which allowed me to start the studio and huge sort of thanks to the clients at the time who really took a bit of a gamble on me but I was working at another sort of boutique practice at the time and had worked on a lot of residential work and I'd become quite friendly with these clients. They ran a, the Blue Sit Hair Salons, which I've worked on as well. I think there's another project on the website. And they bought this amazing building in Deptford. It was a sort of disused chapel. It was being used as an artist studio, but it was in such a bad state that mm. needed a full renovation. They bought it. I was friends with them and they took a gamble on me, which was I'm very thankful for. And this allowed me to start the studio. And we transformed it from being a real wreck into an artist studio gallery and house. Oh so God. behind that, which is the sort of mezzanine kitchen area, 
there's uh, three bedrooms and bathrooms and so on back behind there with a new with a roof terrace as well so they've got some outdoor space they've got some workspace oh, wow. living space and sleeping space of course and oh, wow. what being young being ambitious of this one it was all about how do i make this work what can we do that's interesting about it so there's basically as little steel as possible being used in it all of that mezzanine is all timber and a cantilever or something the engineers sd construction um sd structures sorry i should really know what that is great to work with as well and yeah became a really nice project a huge learning curve but came out well actually has new occupants new owners who yeah. i'm currently working with we've almost oh, finished cool. it so the the original idea was to make this basically an off-grid building. The original clients, huge sustainability fanatics, I would say. They're really into it. And we got to a point where, where the budget allowed, we got pretty much as sustainable as the budget allowed for. The nice. new owners, they've moved on, these clients, and the new owners have taken on, and they've taken a similar idea to it. So we've just installed new photovoltaics on the roof air source heat pump wow increased again the insulation on the roof because it's such a big span it's just so expensive at the time but they've really gone for it and now i'll be really interested to see what the data is which comes back but i think their bills are going to be like low compared to what wow. especially right now it's a big problem so yeah we're as close be as we can be to, to off grid which was always yeah. the ambition I love it. It's down the road, isn't it? You said it's mm. in Deptford, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Very cool. Wow. So literally, so then you were doing this you saw, and on the back of this, it was great. It got some press. It was, it's a beautiful project, right? Mm. And so, it, so did that propel you then, Alex, where you had the internal dilemma of, do I set up my own stuff? Is it now or never? Yeah. So this was quite a bit of moonlighting. I was working in the practice, keep the bills getting paid whilst doing yeah. this on the side. And of course I did it for such a, a low fee, but that, that's, that was fine because it allowed me to get the building in the portfolio. And once it got done, once it got the press, I was so excited. I thought the, ring, the phone was going to ring nonstop. Of course it doesn't, but <laughs> it did give me the emphasis to set up the practice. And oh, slowly keep things moving and yeah, start, start from one project, you get two, you get three. And since then we've been able to build more and more, which is really exciting. I love it. And it's beautiful stuff. And I think it's a good testament for for anyone can do it. It's just a lot of hard work, isn't it? I do find it funny, though, Alex, like you said, this beautiful project was a moonlit project because that's a, that's not a classic conservatory or something. That's quite a big, chunky project on the side. Was it difficult to juggling both at that moment, working nine to five and doing this? Was there... Uh, maybe some yeah. scenarios where you'd have you've to you've got to basically back yourself to be able to do it and there was loads of what time are we meeting uh, we're meeting at 8 a.m because i've got to be in work at nine or <laughs> meeting at seven because i've got to be in work at nine you go you do your site visits and i'm cycling off <laughs> into central london to work in the practice but you just make it happen what's the alternative no no one's gonna just give it to you on a plate so you gotta struggle a bit and make it work yeah, I love it. Now, I'm spoiled for choice because I think I'm biased. I think all your work is beautifully designed. Now, yeah. while we're on your website here, maybe uh, what's your favorite at the moment of the projects here? And then maybe we can just talk about it briefly. Which is your favorite? Right so now? the one on the right hand side to the chapel, the farmhouse, that's one that's not built. That's we just got planning permission for this. Ooh, um, the farmhouse. The farmhouse. Yeah. So there's only sort of one visual 
of it. But this is really exciting. You might have to zoom in on, on that one. Oh, I'll try. I'm not sure I've All mastered good. the Zoom on StreamYard just yet. If we can wing it here, yeah, yeah, we'll be wing great. it. This is this is this quite a humble project, but it's really exciting and because it's a new build farmhouse in the Greenbelt, just outside Oxfordshire. And A is exciting because I've never done a new build in the countryside. Uh, and B is really fucking hard to build in, in the Greenbelt. Excuse my language. Oh, don't worry. We're going to get to the, the LinkedIn <laughs> button's going to go beep. No, we'll be all right. We'll be okay. Um, I get bleeped out, right? So yeah, so it's quite rare to get to build in the countryside, planning reasons and so on and so forth. There's lots of reasons why you can't do it, but we managed to do it through a few planning loops that we jumped through. Mm. And it's for an actual farmer and their family. On So this is their farm, which they're going to be living on. And the idea is that, again, it's a super sustainable building. We're going to use locally quarried stone for it, as much recycled material as possible, and just create a house for a really deserving family who don't have millions of pounds. They're just putting what they can into it. And yeah. it's allowed me to, to work on something outside of London, which is also very nice. And it's a really, it's going to be a really fun project. I think it would be beautiful. And listen, it's very interesting. Now I am going to bring you slightly back to London for a second, because yeah. before this, you, you told me you were doing a bit of infill projects yes. as well now call me i'm a bit naive so i had to i was like is it those small houses in between but that's what you're talking about so basically building a very skinny house which was in a spot which wasn't a house before is that what infill is yeah so it doesn't have to be skinny it's just it's really like filling in the missing parts of the urban yeah. fabric so it's yeah. it's land which disused land so maybe it was once oh, okay a, car park or maybe it was once a petrol station and it's not used anymore it's you can think of it as brownfield sites so right. there's probably been a use there or maybe it was garages and it's basically that's not that's no longer used because people don't live in that way anymore or it's not a viable business or whatever the reason is behind it i don't really know why the previous business is no longer there but it isn't it's a disused yeah. land probably been fly tipped and what I'm working with, with a developer on this on a few projects at the moment, and it's taking these small parcels of land, building unique homes which really fit to the constraints of the land and basically building homes yeah. which are much needed, especially in the capital, and doing it in a really sustainable way, beautiful way, and looking at using different modern material methods of CLT or offsite construction and so on. And there's lots of, every site different. So there's no sort of one size fits all approach. You've got to really take a, a you've got to do a lot of research on the site in terms of how does it look? What's the design aesthetic going to be? What's going to fit in with, within this, that sort of space? But also thinking, can we do CLT in this location because of the constraints of the road or the other buildings around it and that type of thing. So it's taking each site as it's a unique plot and figuring out yeah. the best way, the best design that fits that space. Oh, very cool. I, I'm getting an education as well. It's funny you mentioned that because where I live in Lewisham used to be a garage before it was right. converted okay. into houses. So it probably was a developer's dream. Now, I'm quite, so you've got definitely a few things going on. And we're going to go on in a bit to talk about other ways that you're designing or innovating in the space. 
But just before we do that right now, have you noticed like any trend? So since you set up Nick too, right? And you've had a few lessons and you've made mistakes and all that stuff and had some wins. But have you noticed any trends? Is residential changing or is, is there tending to be a lot more demand in a certain area? There's few, there's the aesthetic trends. So yeah. things such as like Pinterest and Instagram really define aesthetic. Oh, really? Um, so someone um, says, oh, I want another one of that thing that you've done. And you're like, it's a bit, it's a bit more complicated than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's that. And it always think, oh, this is really, the algorithm is like pushing this on someone's feed. So they think that's the only design. You think, is that the right design for this space? And that's something which you need to work out and look at and maybe convince clients sometimes that there's a, there's an alternative way to do it. So that's an aesthetic trend, but there's also a really good trend of that. Like people want sustainable buildings. And they are willing to put a bit more into them. Maybe there's some more upfront costs, but in the long term, it's, it's better for them. It's better for the planet. So that's a really good trend with, in that. that respect. Yeah. And a quick note on that. So it's interesting. So people do actually come to you as an architect and go, here's something I saw on Pinterest. I want it. That sounds mad to me. Or, yeah. Or they like, it's not, ex it's, maybe it's not like I want one of those. It's, I want this thing, that type of aesthetic here. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of it. I get a bit, it can get old pretty quickly, like some of the designs in my mind. And this is just my view as a practitioner and as a designer. What we tried to build of Nikja is like timeless buildings, which are going to look good today and tomorrow. And then hopefully another 200 years, if they can last that long. And that's a big part of the practices ethos is build, building homes, structures, buildings, which can transform over their lifetimes. So it's a lifetime of the owner but like the building should outlast the owners and this yeah. isn't a morose way it's just if you want to build sustainably the building needs to last a long time which is yeah victorian housing in london like the house i live in is a victorian house but it's 200 years old which is extreme sustainable build okay it's drafty it's not insulated but that those technologies didn't last it didn't exist at those times yeah. but let's take like the same approach but do it airtight do it really sustainably wrapped in good insulation that kind of thing but have the longevity view as well yeah bit of a detour there but no yeah. i love it it's it's always fascinating to see what you think now as well as all the beautiful design stuff you've done i'm going to bring up something a little bit that looks like whoa what the heck is oh i've okay. gone to the wrong view i've gone big there here we go so there's this other thing that you've been doing called balanced as well and I find that really interesting, twofold. So maybe first of all, Alex, you can tell us what Balanced is, mm. and then we'll get to why you've done it and stuff. Sure. So Balanced is really simply, it's a platform to make building projects fairer and more transparent, specifically looking at the payments of buildings. And lots of projects, the biggest hiccup that happens during construction is payments, and disputes happen because of that. And the idea is that this platform removes that problem from being there and lets just pe people just build. So that, yeah. that's what it does in a nutshell. Very interesting. Now, for context for our video audio listeners, so Balance is a platform you've made. Now, architect, you tend to think initially someone that's designing houses, not mm. making apps per se, but why not on the other hand? But I'm quite curious. So where did this come around from, Alex? Why did you think in your busy schedule when you're hustling, building your company, where did you think, oh, go on then, I've got to make this app? 
So it happened because of a good friend of mine who's one of the other co-founders. There's three of us. And he actually was getting a loft extension done. And it just turned into an absolute shit show. I don't think he'd mind me saying that. But it's just totally true. And I wasn't the architect, by the way. He didn't have an architect on it. And yeah, the biggest mistake, obviously. But the problem was that they were paying lots of money. We're talking for the average person, whether you lost 50,000 pounds, 20,000 pounds, or 100,000 pounds is a hell of a lot of money, right? But they're yep. paying all this money out, 10,000 pounds here, there, 20,000 pounds there, and didn't really know if they were getting what was meant to be, the work that was meant to be done at that stage. And the builder keeps asking for money and then thinking the builder must know what they're doing properly. So they just keep shelling out all this cash. And at the end, they were like, well, where's that money gone? And the builder... Mm -hmm. He didn't scarper, but he didn't get the work done properly on time. And by the end, they had to get rid of him and get someone else in. And there was just no transparency with the payments on the whole process. And he, he was asking me, like, how does this work? And of course, I said, if you have an architect, you have a QS on board, they, we do it for you. We make sure, and a lot of part of my job on a building site is to make sure the payments are fair for the builder and fair for the client as well. So there's not a problem. And but there just isn't something like this for smaller scale domestic work where perhaps they can't afford a QS or they can't afford to keep the architect on board to do the contract administration. Well, we thought there's definitely a gap here. It's definitely something that's missing and, and can help people. And what the way the program, what the, the platform works is for each stage of payment. So you know who you want to work with as a customer, you know which builder you want to work with, you know how much it's going to cost. So you've agreed all of this stuff. But each stage, and this is great because the video is explaining this, but each stage you put in that sum of money into a secure escrow account. So the money's safe. So as a customer, you uh -huh. haven't paid it into Joe Bloggs' back pocket. And the, cost, and the builder knows that I know if I do the work, I'm going to get paid because I can actually see that cash in that pot. Once the work's done, both agree that stage of work's done, the customer comes along and says, yeah, that's fine. I'm going to release that, that pot of money to the builder. So for each stage of the process, you do this sequentially so that the builder knows they're going to get paid if they do the work and the customer knows that if they pay the money, they're going to get the work done. And as part of that, our big commitment as well as every payment you make, we offset some carbon as a part of your project as well, which ties oh, cool. in nice with the video there. Yeah, perfect. It's really useful. Now, I so I, first of all, I was not aware it's a problem. And we had a chat before as well, because mm. you mentioned something that actually builders and all this stuff have quite difficult mental mm. health because of the situation around that. Can you go into that for the listeners? Definitely. So it's, we all think of builders as like tough blokes who read the sun and are just hard nuts, but that's just not true. And it's just a like a negative trope of how the building professionals are and really there's a lot of problems which they face in terms of getting paid and unfortunately there's a lot of there's quite there's a really high suicide rate and mental health conditions that are affected by simply getting paid because say you're a main contractor you've got so many subcontractors laborers all your workforce to actually pay before you get paid so mm. a lot of builders only make any profit on their final payment. So you've done six months of work, or say on a loft extension, and in the seventh month, you're going to get, okay, great, this is it. I've done all that six months. My seventh month, I'm going to get paid. going to make some profit. going to take the kids on holiday, whatever it is. I'm just making it up. But yeah. 
the client or the customer turns around and says, actually, I, I don't want to pay you. I paid out all this money. I don't want to pay anymore. It's not you because mentioned. they haven't worked well or they haven't done a good job. It's just because the customer just doesn't want to because they feel as though they've paid enough money. And it's, yeah. that causes so many problems for builders. Hopefully, this will help solve that in a small way. We're not trying to cure. We're not cure. We're not saying that there's never going to be any problems with payments and the construction industry. There's always cash payments, all that sort of under the table stuff that happens and that's fine if people want to do that. But yeah. we think that technology and is there to allow people to not do that. I think people are a bit more savvy to know, actually, I'm spending a lot of money. I should do it fairly and make sure I know where it's going. Yeah, and hopefully this helps. I think so. And I'll say the domain for the audio listeners and the replay is www.balancebuild. Now, balance.build, I should say. That's right. Now, I almost got it wrong there, my goodness. But Alex, I'm curious, like, what was it like, though, as an architect designing an app and you got this idea? Was that like a different kind of design approach to it that you had? And was it difficult at first? It's a really interesting question. And I think if you can design a building, there's so many parameters and factors into designing a building. You can yeah. probably design anything if you really put some time into it. And I had to learn UI and just general how to build an app. So self-taught on that and spent, spent some time, a few nights doing some research and just it, like continually iterative process. So yeah. there's lots of really good free tools online, which you can use Figma, Marvel. There's a few yeah. out there. And basically think about it. I thought about it as a building. It's like you step into your front door or you walk towards your front door. What do you want to see? And then you step in through your front door. What do you, where do you want to go? Or where do you want to get led? You know, when you design a building, it's all about a journey of navigating around it. And what can you see? What can't you see? What are the materials? What's the feeling as you go through each space? And that's the same on a digital platform, whether it's mm -hmm. a website or an app or a computer game. It's all just coming from the same ideas yeah. in my mind. So yeah. a learning curve in terms of how to do it. And I just applied, I guess, my architectural education to that. Yeah, no, I hear you. That's where I get my kicks out of the architecture social as I see it. It's another form of design a business mm. by nature is something that needs to be influenced and can be improved and all that stuff so very cool now i think that's amazing the other bit i wanted to touch on is that i had an unconscious bias towards builders because in my head i always think the opposite that they um they get paid a lot and actually you've got to be careful with it and i can't tell you alex where i've got that from mm. i don't know where it's instilled so it's really interesting to hear what you say of actually paying all the laborers and stuff to get money i, I would find that it's quite a scary, scary thing to do. It's basically like doing competitions in architecture. You just hope it comes in. You're not getting paid for it. So I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah, there are contracts and every builder should be using a contract to ensure that they do get paid. But it's, it's the time and effort to enforce a contract. You've got to go to court. You've got to go to arbitration court or whatever it is, or mediation. Yeah. There's lots of avenues. Do you have time as a contractor who has maybe four or five projects on to do that. No, you don't. The customers don't have time, vice versa. That's why it's easier just to say, we've lost a bit of money, we'll get someone else in to fix it. Because do you have time? Do you have the do you want to spend the effort doing it? Probably not. And hopefully 
that's a tool like balance will just alleviate that problem yeah. yeah really well said now you it's interesting because you've done a foray you made an app and it's amazing that you've done that and i think it's a testament to the arctic's ability to overcome any problem you have and now is a good time with tech that you can make apps which generally are fit for purpose on the theme of technology now ai is a big thing at the moment ai everyone's panicking mm. celebrating all this stuff i'd love to know your perspective or initial thoughts on in 2023 artificial intelligence whether image or text and all that stuff has it started leading into your business yet alex or not quite do you have any thoughts on that kind of topic yeah sure ai is a really useful tool and i think as long as you think of it as that and work with it and let it improve your life then it's a really positive thing yeah there's of course the horror stories of like being take, taken over by ai i don't think we're there yet and i think we're i was having a conversation with a with a scientist about this they're a sort of it's actually my dad who's a retired physics professor and he was like we're just not there yet and it's going to take quite a long time before ai will will get to a point where there's enough neurons for it to self think to a point where it takes over the world and we'll probably not not need to worry about that in our lifetimes but i think using something like chat gpt is like really useful you can write you can write stuff so much faster if there's like a press release you need to write and that does yeah. that's a tool there to do that or you want to write a bio you can do that and it can help you it probably does it better than you could even if you took five hours over it. Yeah. So the way I've been using it is to help with like different posts, bios, and just like text, which is needed. It's, it's generative. So it gives you the right steer. Then you, of course, need to edit it and improve on it because it's never perfect first time. But it's, it's really useful for that. Yeah, I agree. I try to use it as much as possible to do the rudimentary stuff because then mm. it gives you more thinking capacity towards the stuff where yeah you're right you need you just can't whack that into chat gpt so very interesting the, the other thing is really useful for is the amount of hours you spend scrolling the internet or just going through books to try and find like the perfect precedent image is probably the longest part or no, of doing a presentation is definitely the longest part of just finding that right image yeah. you can use ai to create that image for you and that's yeah. isn't it's not a precedent because it's not built before or it's not hasn't been created before, but it is a precedent because it's just showing you a good example of what that idea is you're trying to convey to your client. And so that's a yeah. really useful thing to do. I agree. And even in the one year since like so mid journey is one of the versions of yeah. it. And even yeah. in the one year since I've been out I've seen it out, it's just gone so, so much better. And like you said, there's a there's an art form to basically putting the right stuff in the command line to get a certain output, which and it, and it sucks up information on the internet, isn't it? So mm. basically, it might know because you've been practicing for a few years what Nick Ju building is, which could, where it gets really interesting and scare. And some people get scared by it. I I agree with you. It, it's a tool to be used. But what I was going to ask you is. So obviously when you started doing this, these tools weren't around. And I was just wondering, because there's probably a few listeners on this podcast who have 
and maybe in that moonlighting stage or switching over, do you have any advice for people, Alex, that you'd recommend they do or don't do when setting up a business for the first time? So two sides of that, eight of like the, the setting up the business, which is yeah. the, the, unless you're into it, of course, it's like the boring side, but it's a very important side of just make sure everything's done properly. Make sure your taxes are right. Make sure you're yes. licensed correctly. You've got your insurance, you're doing your CPDs and all this kind of stuff. Don't neglect that because it'll just come back and bite you. That's the, the NBA side of things, yeah, the business yeah, yeah. affairs. But then there's also like the having fun and just plunging into it and just like really going for it. You, if you worry that you're going to mess it up, you're never going to get it done. And so you just got to form really good relationships with your clients and your builders because whilst you're, whilst you're going through the whole design process, it's all about gaining your client's trust. And I think that's something that we've been good as a practice at doing is just like getting clients to believe that we're on their side and we want to build a good thing just as much as they do. But then when you should get to building on site, you've got to really get the builders to trust you and you to trust them and say, this is a collaboration. It's not about pitching me against you and bullying them. It's about saying, let's build this together. Let's make a really good building for our lovely client. Let's get paid because that's a big part of the process as well. But make sure that everyone has the same goals and, out and wants the same outcome. Yeah, and that's, that's The projects which are on, that, on my website are the ones which that's happened. And we've had a good process throughout the build in general but <laughs> we'll mention some of them <laughs> but that's generally the process and that's the way way to get things built yes I had. now karen dropped a quick message saying i joined in late well, don't worry no problem but i have a question that by builders are we talking about contractors and developers so what is your definition alex of a builder when we were talking about your app before and all that stuff so builders are yeah contractors in that definition i think they're just used interchangeably at least i do yeah developers are sometimes builders and contractors but generally they're a separate entity if you just think it as like a separate company a builder there's a building company who's a contractor and there's a developing company yeah sad i think it's really interesting but i was gonna what was i gonna ask you i got thrown off i was gonna ask something in particular maybe while it comes back to me do you want to ask me a quick question actually yeah sure similarly you built the architecture social yeah and what was really the background to doing that and it's such an impressive site and platform that you built so far it'd be great to hear just a little bit about like why you've done it and like yeah sure so yeah. it's a bit like you with the app i just felt like maybe there was a need for something and in recruitment you see a lot of stuff behind the scenes but bizarrely, I've technically done recruitment more than I've ever been an architectural assistant. I can't say architect because I wasn't an architect. But, and, but I think, though, when you go into architecture, you have that design thing. I don't know. You just you mm. go to study it because you're intrigued. You want to problem solve. Essentially, that's yeah, what yeah, a building yeah. is, solving problems manifested physically. This is a problem in terms of professions because, okay, you set up your business now, but you mentioned before when you were moonlighting and all this stuff, you've been there looking for jobs and all this, and it's an interesting world and you're in limbo and it's hard to find a contract and mm. or a permanent role and then you go somewhere you like it and not so it really was trying to entangle it as much as possible a little bit like your app and just be like if we can basically extrapolate 
the problem and make it easier for people, then maybe it'd be a good thing. Nice. And so that's really where it comes from. But I'm still learning all the time. And the big pro thing that the problem I have at the moment, Alex, is that so I've hired someone who works alongside me, which is great. But I get a lot of messages and it's very hard to reply to everything. Mm. So I'm still learning and trying to delegate and growing a business is very tricky. I love it. I think you've got to be crazy to do it. So anyone listening here, my currently, if I'm caught down the pub and someone says to me, should you set up a business? I always say you have to be completely barking mad to set up a business, but I love it. No. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think it's a complete it's a complete handful, but half of it's perseverance as well. And doing this now, I enjoy it being out there, and it's interesting to see where the conversation goes. Actually, mm. I remember what I was going to say to you. Okay, um, okay. So uh, I, I've I, it's come back to me. Sorry, I think a bit. It's one of the heat strain. It's, it's the weather for sure. Yeah, exactly. It might <laughs> be my IQ, but we'll say the weather. I was going to say so that project that landed in Dazine, so the first one. Yeah that we talked about did that happen by accident then or did were you how did you get it published from your perspective okay. Alex? because yeah i was impressed that it was there i was happy for you mm. but i'd love to know how that came about so i actually interned at the architects journal oh. years ago yeah did like a an unpaid internship i think that's fair to say i don't i hope they don't do those anymore but yeah I was interning yeah, 2023 there. unpaid internship. <laughs> Boo! Yeah. So I, I was and met a lot of the people in that space, journalists, people who work on in different publishing world and that kind of thing. And that, of course, helps to get things published. Yeah. And being a very fledgling practice at the time, there was no money for any press yeah. team or anything. I basically put together a press release, seen them before of having works in the AJ, knew what to do with that, sent it over. Fortunately, I already had a contact at Dizine, Tom Ravenscroft's editor now, great guy. He, yeah, he liked the project and thought, let's get it published. And then from there, it got picked up by the AJ and lots of other websites and magazines and newspapers. It was in Metro and Evening Standard and that kind of thing. So yeah, it people like it and i love it as a project and it's a good really happy but on that note it's been really it's not easy to get press like at no. all it, it, a lot of it is a relationship based thing and this project got a lot of press but other projects which i thought might do haven't and you just got to keep persevering and yeah eventually something get picked up and that'll help but alongside that don't think that you're going, this is for maybe new business starters. Don't think you're going to get loads of phone calls off of getting something in the AJ because it's probably other architects who are looking at that, right? Maybe some developers, but you've got to, you've got to keep working and building those relationships to keep the work coming in. It's not a, you don't just get a, a free ride once you get some stuff published. You've got to really keep going at it. I love that because that's a brutal dose of reality, isn't it? You've got that project in the zine, you're like, next project, Tom, here we go. Yeah. And nothing. And that's real life, isn't it? And you've got For to sure. keep going. But For maybe sure, yeah. your 10th project goes back on the thing. And But equally, the other point that you said that I find really interesting is that you're right. I saw this and I was like, I know that guy. So it was like the meme. You're like, ah. I've met him. <laughs> yeah. And so I was impressed and I'm happy for you. But where's interesting, like you say, 
maybe the people who are who are reading or watching Dizine and uh, are not the client so actually where you have to market mm. is totally different avenues exactly, that you wouldn't yeah. have expected like you probably might pick up your next client from that app for neighborhood whatever the heck do you know what i mean so have you found that then alex actually you're more likely to get work from different avenues then yeah so well, i think me as an architect and as nick as a company have been really fortunate in terms of the 95% of our work has all come from word of mouth. Oh, wow. Um, so that's like really, I'd say, a positive sign. And it's just through the networks of friends of friends. And then you get one recommendation, it turns into five different avenues from there. Builders, they are really good avenue for new work because you get a builder who's got lots of work coming in and they trust you and they think you're a good architect to work with, they'll promote you as well. We haven't had a huge amount of work from press and advertising or anything like that. Saying that, those infill houses that we're working on with a fantastic developer, she found us through the AJ. She was oh. going through and which project was it? If you go down to left there. Brick this house. one? No, one up. Okay, yep. To the brick house. So she found us through this project, which is a a lovely extension renovation we worked on in South London. Really liked the, this client really liked the aesthetic yeah. and just gave me a call and we're working on some infill houses for her and also her own home renovation at the moment. You don't really know where the work's going to come from always. And that is a nervous, that can be a nervous part of running a business because you think, you know, what's the cash flow this month? But yeah, so you've got to have a few nerves and just think the phone's going to ring at some point. <laughs> Probably not the best business strategy, but it seems to work out. Yeah, I think you, half of it's being out there really, isn't it, yeah. Alex? In, in every different avenue. And then you just, hopefully it, it picks up. You've done a cracking job. It, sounds, it looks all amazing. And I'm Thanks. going to bring up your website and stuff. But before we go, is there any other questions that you have for me at all? Putting me on the spot here. <laughs> Why did I leave architecture? Would I build what? another website? No, absolutely not. Would I build another app? No. I don't know how you feel. Once you've done one, it's, oh, that was painful. Oh, I don't know. I get, got the bug for it. You got the bug for yeah, it. You're going to be like, a map well, designer. You, you could do this. You could do that. But you, yeah, do you feel the same way? It's all good doing two different things, maybe three, but you've got to not spread yourself too thin and make yeah. sure that if you do it, commit to it and make sure it's done properly. And don't neglect things or yeah, sure there's no I, mess ups. Yeah, there's a few lessons. Like I actually built an app for the back end of the architecture social which were recruitment and I was quite proud of it. But actually I was finding that me and my team weren't using it as much as mm. maybe paying for a different one. So I swallowed my pride, even though I built it and just accepted the thought that maybe we need to go in this other direction and move on. And I think sometimes in business, you've just got to do that and you've got to accept and move with the time. So yeah. the forum and the architecture social isn't as busy during the pandemic. And that's partly due to the situation, but partly because maybe I need to put a bit more love into it, or maybe it's okay that that's a piece of the past, but the podcast goes higher. So I'm thinking that I've always got to evolve 
and I've got to be okay with that. And I think you have got to be fluid with the business. But going back to your point, you're right, because initially in the Arctic Social, we started doing everything. And I think that you can dilute your message, Alex, isn't it? It's like a practice where you, you say, yeah, I can do this and that. And then suddenly on the website, it doesn't look very cohesive. So I'm yeah. trying to like offer quite a few different services, quite a few different resources, but loosely keeping it in the same narrative and i think the other thing that really helps whether you're a you know an architect or whatever is always try to think about the value if i if i was the person on the other end so it's quite easy for me to design what i thought was useful as a job seeker because i used to be an architect an architectural assistant looking yeah. for a job you yes know? you know inside out inside out yeah i know how brutal it can be as well isn't it and you go oh i think that one went well and then you get that email going Sorry, Steve, you're not going to make you an offer. Or it goes the other way sometimes in life, isn't it? You go for an interview and you go, that was solid. I don't think I'm going to get that. That was rock hard. Sometimes and then they go, oh, yeah. yeah, they go, oh, we're going to make you an offer. And you're like, really? What happened yeah. there? <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I tell you what, we've got one question that's come in just before we wind okay. down. Paul Betson says, do you typically rely on clients approaching you now or do you have strategies aside from getting work into publications for finding new architects? So what other strategies do you have, Alex, that you're, you're tinkering with as well? So really, it's just getting yourself out there, going to the right. Not, it's not the right events. Just go to events and in the right sort of sphere. But that might be I'm, I love, love cycling. You meet people doing that. You never know who you're going to meet doing an activity. Just put yourself out there. But don't worry about, it doesn't have to be an architecture event. Like they're great, but there's also like loads of other architects there. Mm. You might meet the right client. You might not. They might meet five others and maybe they'll go with you. Maybe they won't. If you go do other activities, hobbies, whatever you're into, just go do it and meet people. And you never know where those conversations are going to go. There might be a conversation which turns into a client in next week. It might be in like three months time or two years time. They all come back. So it's just about, I think any business, just put yourself out there, let people know what you're doing. And that comes back to your point of don't spread yourself too thin. Don't try and do everything. Yes, I can probably design a hospital. Am I going to be good at it? No, I'm not because I've never done it before. But if I did the research and spent the time doing it, yeah, you could probably do it, but go get it designed by someone else. But if you, want a, if you want a really nice house, you want a really nice shop, some bespoke spaces, yeah, we can do that for you. And just let people know what you're doing and let them know that you're really good at it as well. Yeah, sad. I think that's a really good note to, to wind down on. I agree that actually half of it is about participating. And there's often times where I thought, oh, do you know what? I fancy sacking this off tonight. And then you go to an event and you meet someone or whatever, mm. and it really works. And therefore you get a connection that you never had before. And like you said, until the AI robots replace us, I think human interaction <laughs> is what people remember. And but half the time, I think you can win work is in person as well as online as well. So it really is worth going to these events, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. People like people use social media for quite a lot. And I think for some people that's really, really useful. Like we're not huge on social media. We don't have a big presence, probably something we should work out, but that, that can be a useful tool as well. Yeah, I agree. On that note though, if people do want to see your beautiful website, where can they find you then Alex? 
www.nickdrew.co.uk is the yeah. website. I'm trying to get the .com. Still a struggle. Oh, but, really? uh, Someone's yeah, got the .com. Someone's got the .com, yeah. Oh, it's a nightmare, isn't yeah. it? Uh, the and who domains. else has that name? Who else has my name? <laughs> I know. And web domains are the Wild West because once it's gone, that baby's gone. Yeah, yeah. NickJew.co.uk and Nick spelled is N-I-K and then J-O-O. Thank you, Alex, so much for being here. I really Thanks, appreciate Stephen. it. You've been an absolute legend, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Maybe you come on in a few more years with a few more apps. And a Sounds few great. More projects. Yeah, definitely. We great will speaking. Return. Thanks so much for having me on, and yeah, we'll catch up soon. Brilliant. So we'll stay on the stage while I turn off the live stream, Alex. And thank you for tuning in the audience. I really appreciate you being here. I've got more content coming. And tomorrow there's one more live stream where we'll be talking about AI related. Bring your pitchforks. Alex's dad might turn up there if he says, see if he can change his mind or whatever. But I will end the live stream now. Alex, stay on the stage and see you all in the audience soon. Take care. Bye. Cheers.